Welcome to the Jubilee Stratford podcast, where you can listen back on our weekly sermons, special guest speakers, and more. To find other resources and information about who we are, visit www.jubileestratford.com. If you like what you've heard here on this podcast today, don't forget to subscribe. You know, and um, and it's kind of like, yeah, absolutely, we, we love his presence. We love to flow. But is it possible that because he operates outside of our understanding that there's still a part of my flesh that wants to hang on to that element of control and say, but God, you got to, you got to yield to my understanding in order to do this. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying we throw our brains out the window, right? But at the same time, we want the authentic power of the Holy Spirit to move. And I believe in this next move of God that's coming, which we don't know when, but I think it's sooner. It's sooner today than it was yesterday. And it's coming. I want to be ready. And, uh, and I want to be in a position of, of, even though I think it's going to be beyond my understanding, I still want to have that teachable heart that says, Holy Spirit, show me your ways. And I think that in this season of time, we can definitely prepare in the sense of getting to know him more and getting closer to him. And when, when he does come with great power, we'll recognize. It says the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. We want to recognize his voice. So I'm not going to continue anymore, but this is Mark. Mark, come on up. And let's give him a big, warm welcome here in Stratford. Thank you. Can I, can I have a stand? Hey, bless you. Thank you very much. It is, uh, it is so great to be here. Praise God. And, uh, you know, I, I would love it if everybody was on the front two rows, but I know then you'd be squishy and you'd have to smell the person next to you, and you know, you know how that works. That's a little joke, you know. I'm sure nobody smells here. I know, the second row has nobody. Nobody wants silver, eh? This is gold, that's silver, and then everything behind is bronze, so... Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, man, um, so great to be here. Uh, let me just say a few things about, about who I am. And my name is Mark. As he said, I'm, I'm actually born in Ottawa. I live out west. My dad was in the military, so we sort of traveled around here and there. Uh, we did live in Toronto for a couple of years. I think I was two. And so my recollection of those years is a little dim. But uh, we lived back in Ottawa, then in Bagotville, Quebec. I speak French because my dad was French, and I speak English because my mom was English. And, um, and then when we moved out west, uh, we were out there a bunch of years. And, um, and uh, I, we got saved out there. My family became a Christian out there. We were Catholics, uh, not very devout Catholics. We'd go at least twice a year. And... Uh, Though occasionally, and this is how you know how you're faring as a Catholic, is do you get to see the priest midweek? And a couple of times I got to see the priest midweek. And so that's, that's a really bad sign that you're being a bad Catholic. And so, but uh, my mom got healed of cancer. She got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She got born again uh, when I was about 13 years old. And she began to bring the gospel as it was to our family and eventually... You know, at first, it's, of course, yeah, we prayed the prayer, got saved, actually got baptized in the Holy Spirit at 15, but uh, didn't have the wherewithal to stay with that. And so uh, about that time, right about 15, I, uh, I backed off. 
until I was 19 years old and I was sitting in a bar in Alberta, northern Alberta, and the glory of the Lord came in the bar where I was. And I had an Emmaus Road kind of experience where the Lord threw me headlong into the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, I may, I may touch on some of the experiences. I've been fortunate to have many significant kingdom experiences in the spirit. And that was uh, one of the top four, that born-again experience. But um, one of the things the Lord has done with me is he's given me an ability to see what he's doing in these great moments. It's, you know, it's one thing to have something happen to you. It's another thing to understand what is happening and be able to actually bring others into that. And that's essentially part of what the apostolic prophetic ministry is. It's not just to talk about things, but to bring a people into the experience of that. And, um, and so, you know, this school is largely about that idea. So, um, now originally I wasn't really planning on starting the school tonight. Uh, and so I'm going to do a mixture of things tonight. I'm going to share a little bit about it. Do you think everybody who is signed up is here tonight? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just share a couple of intro things and then I get a couple things on my heart. And, um, and uh, there's a lot of information, but the problem with us Westerners is that we get stuck on information. And we, some, we get stuck in the, the idea that, you know, if we just can accumulate the right information, that that's going to get us to the finish line. And the kingdom of God is this strange paradox where there is a kind of knowledge that won't do anything but harm you. And then there's a kind of knowledge that will do nothing but help you. And uh, we tend to confuse the two. You know, knowledge puffs up, yet who doesn't want knowledge? You know, we want a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, yet we don't want the knowledge that puffs up. Well, what's the difference? You know, how, how do you quantify that difference? You know, how do you, which is which? How do you, you know, it's very, very internal, right? It's very, uh, it's not very objective. You can't say, well, this is the bad type. Make sure you don't get the bad type here today. So, so the Holy Spirit, the way he ministers, challenges our hearts and will weave in and out of things. And, um, and we'll see how it goes. Are you guys okay with that? Now, one of the things I like to say, and it's unfortunate that this is my first time here. None of you know me. But um, try, hmm, how do I say this? Try to believe that I know something of what I'm talking about. You know, <clears throat> you know. so if I say something that's somewhat incomplete and there's another side to it, chances are, chances are I know the other side. I just don't feel the need to say it right now. You know, some of the times we, you know, we're, when we're very fearful, and I don't think that you guys are going to be a fearful type today, but I wrote an article some years ago. Uh, it's, and the title was this, Blue is Also a Color. And it was because I ran into Christians all the time, and, and they're the fearful people that are always looking for balance. And what that means is if you, if you start talking about the color red, if you start amplifying the significance of red, and you know, you're, 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 they, they, can't, they can't receive and look into red, they've got to bring up, Blue is Also a Color. Hey, don't forget that blue is also a color, you know, and it's like you, you got to give the polar extreme of the other side. So in the context of every five-minute 
you know, increment, we must be completely balanced. If we talk about the mercy of God, we must also talk about the severity right on the tail of that. And that's how we achieve balance. But it's not how we achieve balance. We achieve balance by the full spectrum of the spirit of truth at work in our lives. And sometimes he needs to dig down in some things that maybe he touches on the mercy again and again and again and again and again. And he doesn't even touch on the holiness for a while. Right? Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you can be in the mercy for long periods of time and then you run into somebody who's, what about the holiness? What about the fear of the Lord? Well, you know, that's not what the Lord is doing for me right now. And, uh, and so why don't we just trust him? Yeah, he's an amazing teacher. So, um, praise God. Now, do you have any questions? That's great. No. <laughs> so, uh, let, me, let me pull this up here. One thing about having a non-hands-free mic is uh, you don't have an, you only have one hand free. All right, uh, so I've been doing this for a lot of years. I was just telling Trevor that uh, back in the day when Rick Joyner was doing Morning Star Journals, uh, I'm in some of the early ones alongside of some, I mean, it was actually an amazing thing for me. I was, I was uh, maybe 30 years old, and there I am writing articles alongside of Leonard Ravenhill and Mike Bickle and Paul Kane and Rick Joyner and, and you know, uh, these guys. And uh, so he, he didn't know that. So... Um, so, you you read some of those, yeah, back in the day? Yeah, that was um, when Rick told me I didn't write very well. <laughs> he literally said that right to my face. Um, so, oh, he said, he said, yeah, you're like me. You can't write worth beans, but you got the stuff. <laughs> but... Um, and I'll actually touch on that testimony a little bit because I just want to touch briefly on one of the things, some of the things you can expect during this time. Um, but just before I do, uh, I was in a prayer meeting, you know, as we do every Friday morning when I'm home in my church. I travel about close to half the time. But I'm the senior leader of our church in, uh, in uh, just in a suburb of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I've been to about 45 countries. I've been traveling... Uh, for the last, I'm 57. I've been traveling since I was 26 or so. So I've been doing this a long time. And, uh, but, you know, mostly on the outskirts of the desert, you know, other than the odd article getting posted, you know, by somebody famous, you know, we've been sort of scurrying around the, the nations, somewhat hidden. But uh, I've been doing a lot of prophetic things, training. I taught at Christ of the Nations Bible School in Vancouver for a few years taught another Bible school in Edmonton for a few years. But uh, I've been teaching and training on the prophetic. How do we respond to the Holy Spirit? How do we move into the things of God? Intercession. How do you, what is, what is groaning intercession? How do you do that? Uh, you know, what is the purpose of tongues? How do you prophesy? How do you know if you're led by the Spirit? How do you, how do I be a better Christian? You know, I mean, these are the kinds of questions that we're always looking answers for for answers for, and this is the stuff I've talked about for years, but about two months ago, we were in a, or three months ago, we were in a prayer meeting, and something, suddenly the Holy Spirit came on me and said, there's a great wave that's coming to the body of Christ. 
and the water of this wave is going to move the entire church. But I begin immediately to see that there's some that would be like surfers who knew how to navigate waves, and others would be carried, you know, the, the term in Hawaii is ragdolled. It means where you're taken with the wave, but there's nothing smooth about it. You know, you are not navigating that wave. You are, you know, you're being scraped along the coral, up and down. You know, you don't know what's going on, what's up, what's down. But you are moving. Hallelujah. You know, which is better than not moving. But if there is a better way, if there is a capacity to navigate the wave of the Spirit, then it behooves us to to learn that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you have the next two years you need to take to invest in Canada to prepare my people to respond to the Holy Spirit. And so Trevor mentioned this idea that, and I'll touch on this a little bit later, but in Romans, you know, when Paul's talking about the predicament of the Christian, and the predicament of the Christian is caught between the expressions of legalism and grace. And so in, in Romans, he's largely talking about this to people, to Jews in the, Rome, in, in the Roman world who are caught between these things. And he's explaining the significance of the law and the significance of grace. But he says in that context, he says, I find that there's something in me that is hostile to the spirit. There's something in me that's hostile to the things of God. Now, he didn't say there's something out there. He didn't say, you know, there's a demon oppressing me. He said, no, no, there's something in me that is in my flesh. He talked about the law, a certain kind of law that's, that's uh, you know, overruling the law of his mind. That is the law of his sincerity and bringing him into expressions he didn't want to come into. And so he talks about, and, and of course, he's come into this experience of being delivered from this and um, even though he later said, not that I've fully attained, but I pressed towards the mark of the high calling. But he, he related this, this experience that every believer has, that at different times there's parts of me that are not entirely comfortable with what the Holy Spirit is doing. There are times when I can just, yeah, move in. But all of us, no doubt, at some point in our lives... We're looking at something, maybe it was the renewal, maybe it was tongues for the first time, maybe it was a healing ministry, maybe it was the personality of the evangelist who's doing the healing ministry, you know, you know, or whatever it was. But there are moments when we're reticent about yielding. And, uh, and so what the Holy Spirit was saying to me, there's a capacity to yield to this wave, that when you learn to yield to this wave, you're going to be like a skilled surfer that's going to be carried along with the momentum of that wave, and, uh, and that there was a need for people to respond that way. So we're going to talk about a lot of things, but one of the greatest impartations that I believe is going to happen this weekend is something is going to be reduced in you and something else is going to be increased. You know, uh, I used this language here earlier today when I was explaining the school to another pastor in, in London. And I said, you know, electronically speaking, there are, there are certain components that are, that are, that are, uh, that cause impedance you know, to electronic currents, they just they 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 delay or they 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 narrow they 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 hold back certain currents. There's something in your flesh that holds back the current of the Lord. Now, if you're like me, you realize that there's a lot in me that holds back the current of the Lord. You know how I know that? Because God is limitless in power, and I am not seeing limitless power in my life. So by that very fact, I know I'm missing out on something. 
Have you ever wondered about that? You know, we serve a God whose power is unfathomable. We can't even imagine the things that he does, but most of the things he does, we can imagine. Right? So what are we missing out on? And what is it that can allow us to participate in faith with God, to yield to the Spirit, the abilities of the Spirit, in order to see the full spectrum of who he is operating in and through the church? That is my passion. Because I believe that we're hitting way below the mark of what we should be hitting. And not only is Jesus the stature, the standard, the the measure, but uh, all the other great men of God throughout the Bible, all the great things they did, these are meant to provoke our faith to begin to believe for something at least that big. And yet Jesus says, you will do greater works than this because I go to the Father. So, So, again, I... I'm not, I don't feel bad about it. I'm not condemned. I'm not feeling guilty. I just want the best. I just want everything that can be had. Anybody with me here? All right. And let me, let me be clear about this. It's always human error. All right. When you're walking with a perfect God who knows everything and who, who can't make a mistake, the error is always going to be on your side. All right. So uh, I tell people... You know, I remember years ago during the faith movement, some people were always talking about, that guy says I don't have enough faith. I thought, well, it says nothing's impossible to him that believes. And it says that if you believe, you can throw, set that mountain and cast in the sea. And I can't do any of those things. So I don't know what kind of faith you think you have, but I, don't, I know I don't have that. And I look at the disciples, and Jesus was rebuking the disciples all the time for not having enough faith. So I think, I think if he rebuked John, and if he rebuked James, and if he rebuked Peter, and all the others, who am I to think that I don't, you know, I'm good. <laughs> right? Can you imagine, you know, Jesus lining up the 12 apostles, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough faith, you got small faith, you got weak faith, da, 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 da. Mark, you're perfect. <laughs> you know, is that how we imagine ourselves? I think a little humility goes a long way, right? I mean, if he was rebuking them, I think we stand to be rebuked. I think we stand to come out, you know, all right, don't think so highly of yourself. So we don't have to take ourselves too seriously this week. I'm going to make an example of myself, which will liberate you to make an example of yourself, if only in your own heart. Fair enough? (laughs) Okay, so... um, so, yeah, the Lord spoke this to me, and I, and I was excited about it. In fact, I thought right away, I thought, I thought right away, I, I know where I should do the first one. There's a pastor. I didn't want to do it in my church. I felt like I wanted to do it right in the core of the city, and I knew of a, a pastor in the city. And I was going to her, her church that night because um, Jeremy Nelson from San Diego was doing a meeting with Sammy Robinson and some others. I thought, you know, I'm going to go to that meeting. I'm going to talk to the pastor suggests maybe we do the first school at her church. So we go there. I go into the green room, meet the guys. I, I talked to her. I said, you know, the Lord told me this. We should do this. She said, yeah, absolutely. Let's set a date afterwards. So we go out into the meeting. Germ- do you know who Jeremy Nelson is? Have you heard that name? Some of you. Anyway, he's up ministering. And, uh, well, no, the worship gets up. He gets up, introduces himself, and turns to me and begins to prophesy prophesies for about seven minutes. And one of the things he says, God's calling you to do schools of the prophetic. Uh, and da, 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 da. So for me and the pastor, it was a great con- confirmation. And uh, then the next week or the next couple of days, I was reading a prophetic word from Jeremiah Johnson. 
Jeremiah Johnson is a youngerish prophet in the U.S. of um, of you know kind of the holiness side ilk, which we're desperately needing in the body of Christ. And uh, he gave a prophetic word January last year, 2018, to Canada. And the essence of the word was, was basically this. He said, there are outpourings of the Spirit coming to Canada. Man, great news for all Canadians. But he said there was two conditions. The first condition was that the church in Canada needed to learn to live as family. Well, I, don't, I won't elaborate on that. But I'm involved with uh, a thing called, uh, you know, the family journey. <laughs> In fact, I'm going on Friday next week to Hong Kong to be a part of a large conference there uh, called the family journey. That's, that's a part of actually learning to be the family of God. And right now, China has, been, has taken the DNA of this that was birthed in Canada about the family of God and is running hard with it. And uh, I... I'd love to share some of the things that are happening there, but it's, uh, in fact, actually, if you're familiar with what happened in IHOP before the one thing this year, anybody watch any of those videos about the reset and the one thing and all the changes? That was all happened because of the DNA of this family thing. It came to IHOP, and it has transformed IHOP. Transformed IHOP. Mike Bickle got up and in front of the global audience said, I didn't know how to be a father. I was a, I, was, I was a father of a ministry. I was a father of a vision. But I didn't know how to be a father of a family. And uh, anyway, there's, there's other parts to that thing. So learning to live as family, no small thing, big thing that God is doing across the earth. We're still delving into it, trying to figure out what that is, how do we do it. But the second condition was simply learn to respond to the Holy Spirit. The second condition for outpourings in Canada, learn to respond to the Holy Spirit. Learn to yield. You know, I love John. I love the gospel of John. I love the things that John said. If you ever read the gospels a lot, which I used to, you know, now I'm into Romans, but I used to read the gospels all the time, particularly John. You know, young Christians always told, read John. Well, John... John was peculiar from the other Gospels because he spoke about things that most of the other guys never mentioned. And the reason they didn't mention them is because they didn't understand them. John understood things that nobody else understood. And that's why John was the apostle that Jesus loved. Because John had a yieldedness inside of him on a level that the others didn't have. When the others, you know, Thomas, Doubting Thomas, right? Do you think there might have been a little bit of unyieldedness with Doubting Thomas? <laughs> I mean, that was his whole stick. It's like, <laughs> you're holding back, man. Well, John, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, when he was listening, when John is listening to Jesus, he's not filtering what Jesus is saying through all the implications to his life. He's not filtering it through, you know, his preferences. He's not filtering it through his doctrine or his experiences or his, you know, strong opinions. He had a capacity to acknowledge and recognize the word of life and just whoosh, let it come in. And, uh, and some of us do that. Others put everything through the grid of, of you, know, you know, if you've been hurt or if you're strongly theological, he's like, okay, how's this measuring up with my soteriology? How's this, how's this, how can I look at this eschatologically? You know, is the Christology of this statement correct? You know, this is what the Pharisees did. 
You know, that's what they did. They're filtering everything through their present theology. Though the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding, we tend to do that. We tend to take the things the Spirit of God is saying and put it through our present understanding to validate it. And yet, wisdom says, do not lean on your own understanding. Yet we do it. Right? Because that's what seems to be safe for us. But what we end up doing is filtering out. We are putting up walls of impedance to the knowledge of God. We're actually making God take the long way home. And, and you know, you know, and, and he, you know, circle the wagons, you know, six months from now, I might be open to hearing this. And, well, God doesn't have time for stuff like that. When he was choosing the 12 disciples, he was looking at people who were the most responsive because the downloads they were about to get, you know, they were going to be the equivalent of the sci-fi movie Neo. You know, when Neo was getting those videos downloaded into him, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry, he getting those downloads into him and, and they, they said, man, he's a, he's a machine. He's just taking it in and taking it in. Well, we have a capacity, a limited capacity to yield to the Holy Spirit. John had it in spades. And that's why he got the, the handle, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Have you ever noticed? Do you know people who everything you say, they object? Right? Are they your favorite people? <laughs> no, they're not, right? It's the people who agree with you all the time, man. That Trevor, he's brilliant. I don't know what it is about him, but man, I love that guy. He agrees with everything I say. He's got real insight. <laughs> Except that, you know, we do that and it's, there's, a, there's, a, you know, there's a selfishness in that, you know, self-congratulating part. But Jesus was correct. He, so when people yielded to him, they were yielding to the word of life. And it opened up a relationship with John that the others did not have. The same is true today. The same is true today. The same is true today. I know that's hard, hard. I mean, it's hard for me sometimes because I was always in my circles. I was the favored one. And then the Lord brought me into other circles of global ministries. And I saw these people intuitively stepping into things that I was balking at. And I didn't know why they could, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, what is it? Why? Why? I'm the guy who has all the favor. Why do they have favor? Like, what, you know, why, what's happening here? You should be doing that for me. Anybody ever feel that way? And the Lord said, said, they have an ability to respond to me that you don't. It's like, oh, I've always been that guy. And, and the Lord said, you could still be that guy, but you're going to have to die right here, right now. You're going to have to recognize the truth of this. And let the truth of that, as hard as it is, as caustic as it is to your sense of, you know, special significance. (laughs) Realize there's something to be had which you do not have. And so John represents an intimacy, something that can be had that we might not have. And so if you're looking around the body of Christ, this is a little exhortation. You see people that seem to get some kind of favor you don't have, you can get it. But there's a price to be paid for that. It's in repentance and humility. It's an acknowledgement that, they, you know, sometimes we look at when people do that to government or office people, they're, they're, they're the boss, we think, oh, what a brown noser, you know. What a brown noser. He's, in other words, he's just saying what the boss wants to hear to get ahead. You know, and the boss is fooled by that false sincerity, right? 
But you can't say that about God. When God is dispensing favor, he's not fooled. He's not, he's not, he's not blinded. He's not caught off guard. He knows exactly who, to whom he's giving what. Anyway, that's a whole other issue. Hey, are you guys with me? All right. Are we, are we going? All right. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm not even past the first line of my introduction. That was preface to the introduction. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, I, I like that because it means there's a rich environment of a spirit of revelation in this place. And, uh, and so we, we could pull on that more and more. Amen? So let me just quickly uh, uh, say a couple things, and then I'm going to give you four, um, four impartations or four things that are, are, you're going to experience during uh, these couple of days. The first thing I want to tell you, or I already told you the catch the wave part, and I don't need to tell you the dry land part, okay? The other part is, I touched on it, but don't listen with your mind. Trevor was saying, that doesn't mean throw away your mind. No, you need your mind. But your mind doesn't tell you what's true. Let me say this again. Your mind cannot tell you what's true. Your mind is your understanding. It's, it's a, a reservoir for all previous experiences and accrued knowledge, etc., etc. But your mind doesn't know what it doesn't know yet. And when God wants to show you something you don't know yet, your mind is useless to determine its validity. Okay? What you've been given for that is a spirit. Your spirit has been given to you to witness to you about what is true and what is not true. And I won't turn to the scriptures, but if you go and read John 6 and 7, you'll see that one of the encounters he had with the, with the people who were, were not believing is, is he said to them, he's, he said, um, they asked him, how do we know whether the things you're saying is true? You know what he said? He said, here, here's a, here, take this to the bank. He said, the one who wills to do the Father's will he will know concerning the doctrine. How? He, he, he will know. And if you don't know, then it's because you are hesitant about doing the will of the Father. Well, the Pharisees could have said, well, that's a little self-serving. Isn't that a little sort of catch-22? I mean, uh, uh, he, says, he said to them this. He said, the reason you can't understand my speech is because you cannot hear my word. You can look it up. John. John saw that. John heard that. The other disciples never talked about that. But he was saying this. John, John, John as he's writing what Jesus is saying, he's, he's saying, listen, there's a difference between the word and the words used to convey the word. The words used to convey the word, the mind hears and listens to and tries to evaluate. But that is not the word. The word is in the words or the speech that is used. So he said, the reason you can't understand the speech is because there's a word inside that's only understood by your spirit as you interact with your spirit. But you guys are so busy analyzing the words, the speech, the phraseology, the biblical consistency with the Old Testament scriptures and whatnot, that you can't hear, you can't feel the strain 
of the word of life that's running through the midst of that. See, speech, even when I'm saying now, speech is made up of words and phrases, but that's like the conduit. The life of the Spirit of God is in the midst of that, but it's not represented by the words themselves. It's, it's, a, it's a third dimension. The life of God, the Word of God, is in the third dimension. What you're hearing with your physical ears is a second dimension. Does that make sense? All right, so, so your spirit is, is, un, is, is geared to receive what spirit and that's why Jesus said, and again, John was the one who championed this. Jesus said, whatsoever is flesh is flesh, and whatsoever is spirit is spirit. This is the great divide. He said, there's a natural realm and there's a spiritual realm. The kingdom of God belongs to the spirit realm. And the natural man can't receive the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. And so you've been given a spirit to know spiritual realities. Want another proof? How about Romans when it says, uh, it says, gives you the proof. How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're born again? Well, you know, I read the, this little pamphlet, it's the four spiritual laws, and, you know, I, I, I went through them, and I, I said yes and amen, and, you know, I believe that and believe that, and I prayed the prayer. That's how I know. Well, that's not biblically how you're told, you know. Biblically, you're told that his spirit witnesses with your spirit that you are a child of God. That's how you know. That's why, that's why when you're a young Christian, you know, a young kid, you, you went up to the altar 15 times because you weren't sure. But at some point along the way, something happened and you knew you were saved. So when were you actually saved? When you knew. When his spirit witnessed with your spirit. Remember, do, you, do you remember ever dealing with that? That you know, I know I said the, the Jesus come into my heart, but I, I have to say it again. I got to respond to another altar call. I got to, you know. I, but a day when came when you didn't have to do that anymore. You had assurance of salvation. That didn't come from well, you know, the fifteenth time going to the altar. That's the trick. Camel's back broke right there between 14 and 15. If you go 15 times, you'll be saved. No. Your spirit, his spirit witnesses with your spirit. Why do we say that? Because uh, we want to break new ground. We want to create new faith inside of you. Now, I like to, uh, I like to use this. I love, I love hamburgers. I haven't told... Um, your pastor this, but I love hamburgers. They're my favorite meal. I had one for lunch. I would have one for supper again if I were hungry. If they let me, I'd have them for breakfast. But hamburgers are a beautiful thing. <laughs> I love the smell. I love the texture. I love the condiments. I love the tomatoes, the lettuce, the cheese, and the bacon, and the mushrooms, and the onions. I'm not even hungry, so this is okay. But I love those things, you know. And and there's, you know, you get a good hamburger, and you know, you're looking at that hamburger. Is it satisfying to look at that hamburger? It's sitting there. You're you're looking at it. Is it how satisfying is it to smell it? You know, it's like, all right, it's nice to look at. It's nice to smell. But I want to eat it. I want to consume it. 
I mean, the value of the hamburger is not fully extracted until my teeth are are biting into it, right? I mean, that's that sensory experience of consuming the hamburger, you know, is a, is is the joy. And then, of course, the real benefit is when your body begins to digest the hamburger, and then you get the energy for functioning. Well, here's the thing: spiritual food cannot be absorbed with your mind. In the same way, your mind can't eat a hamburger. There's a way that you were designed to absorb the energy, the food value of a hamburger, and it's not through your mind. That gateway is a great gateway to ascertain whether this, in fact, is a hamburger, you know, but only when you, you know, is that a photo? You know, know, only when you, I mean, it's not complete till you actually consume it. Does that make sense? So your mind, you know, can appreciate certain aspects of the word, but it can't fully bring you to that final thing. It has to be received in your spirit. So, Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name that uh, as we go forward in this weekend, that you would open up, God, our capacity to absorb from the place we're meant to absorb spiritual truth, that the life that's available this weekend in your word, the revelation, the truth, that, Father, that we'll be using the full bandwidth of our spirit to pull in, to pull on, to absorb, to drink, God, what is being made available to us, Lord, and we forbid any fear, any unbelief, any misplaced confidence in our intellectual ability that would cause some of that absorption to not happen in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So four things quickly, and then I'll get into the message that I wanted to share tonight. But we're gonna, we'll be quick with that message. It's, it'll be sort of an intro, intro, side Secondary intro, part two to the first intro. (laughs) Faith. Faith. Um, There's something about the ability to believe. I mean, faith is going to, faith in the Holy Spirit's power to do it. Now, I don't know, I won't mention this guy's name, but I read a book on the Holy Spirit some years ago. And I I was actually flying down to L.A., a friend of my mom's. My mom had this experience over and over and over, breakthrough moments with a certain U.S. ministry. And so her friend gave me money to go down to one of his events. And I'm driving down as I'm driving, flying down. And as I'm flying down, I'm reading this book on the Holy Spirit. Suddenly it strikes me, you know, have you ever suddenly thought about something? And it's like, it's like, yeah, because the, the thought struck me. There's something significant about this trip to California. And I was sitting there, it's like, yeah, there's something significant about this trip to California. I didn't realize it, but that was the Holy Spirit already speaking. You know, when you come to those conclusions, you don't actually come to them all by yourself. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I, and I thought, I should ask the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I said, Holy Spirit, why am I going down to this event? Because I felt the providence of it suddenly. And I heard an inner audible voice for maybe the second, third time of my life. And it said this. I won't say that. Actually, I'll tell you. The, the evangelist I was going to see, his name was Morsarello. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit said, uh, you're going to see Morsarello. Morsarello will lay hands on you. You will receive an anointing of power. 
I thought, oh, wow, that's great, man. This will be excellent. I've never been to one of these events. I go down there. We're at the, we're at the uh, Anaheim Convention Center. There's 5,000 people there. Everybody wants to, you know, touch more Sorello. And as it turns out, he's not praying for anybody. You know, he's got all these guys from who knows wherever. I don't care about you praying for me. I want him. You know, it's always the case. But he's not praying for anybody. So I got a friend who's on the, his board, his Canadian board. And we had already talked, and he told me, I knew he was on his board, and I said, listen, the Lord told me that Mort's going to lay hands on me. Can you, uh, you know, make an appointment for me? So he tried to make that happen and couldn't make it happen. And then, uh, and then uh, uh, so we came to the end of the event, couldn't get near the guy. I even tried to sneak in the back, you know, because I thought if the Holy Spirit really wants me, he wouldn't mind me breaking the rules a little bit. <laughs> Faith without works is dead. So I couldn't get anywhere near the guy. And uh, then uh, some other things happened. I got stuck an extra two days in in, uh, Los Angeles or Anaheim there. So I'm staying in this cheap hotel. I didn't have any money. My friend, uh, John Lucas, gave me money. And so I'm out staying this Penny Annie Inn over by by Disneyland. And uh, But happily enough, there was a a camp meeting with R.W. Schambach going on at Melody Lane Christian Center. So I go there. I'd never heard this guy except on the radio. So I'm there and I think, oh, this is great, man. So a couple days, the second day after the conference, I come out at the lunchtime. I thought, where should I go to eat? And suddenly I'm hit with this inner audible voice. It says, go to the Anaheim Hilton. Go to the 14th floor. Morticella will be there. He'll lay hands on you. And so... I had just written this article about, you know, the four guys carrying their friend and going through the roof and the woman with the issue of blood and how desperation gets you the prize, you know. So so I thought, wow, man, I don't know if he's going to be there, but I'm going. So I, I go up there, and, of course, it says penthouse floor. You're not supposed to be there. You know, I'm looking at the sign. says, guests only. And I think, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. But the woman with the issue of blood, she wasn't supposed to touch him either. So I'm going to go up to the 14th floor. So I go up to the 14th floor, and I'm walking down the hallway, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, where, uh, where, 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 where is he? Uh, is he going to come out of one of these rooms? What's happening? And I walk up. As I'm walking down the hallway, I see an open door, and I go to the open door. It says, uh, you know, executive lounge, guests of 13th and 14th floor only. So I look in there, and I see one table setting from my angle, and around there are four people, R.W. Schambach and his wife, and Morris Sorello and his wife. They're sitting at that table. So I go in there, and um, and I tell him, you know, I said, the Holy Spirit told me to come here. You would be here, and you'd lay hands on me. So he asked me some things about my ministry. I think I was like 26 years old. And uh, anyway, right there in the lounge, he lays hands on me, and I start having a Toronto renewal moment. I am literally jackhammering around the room. I mean, this is a business hotel room, and there's people there. And I'm jackhammering. I go back to my hotel, and I'm laying in bed that night, and I can't sleep at midnight, and I can't sleep at 1, and I can't sleep at 2, and I can't sleep at 3, and I can't sleep at 4. And I'm still up at 5, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? And I lay in bed. As I lay, trying to lay still so I can fall asleep, I feel this... Literally, waves of power going from my feet up to my head. To my feet, up to my head. Now, why did I say that? That's a great testimony, but that wasn't the reason. That, that faith in the Holy Spirit's ability. When I was reading the book on the Holy Spirit, I suddenly just came in to an increased 
uh, sense of the possibilities of the way the Holy Spirit could work in my life. And the inner audible voice was the first fruit of that. As soon as I began to believe that the Holy Spirit could operate in, in a level above what I had actually believed before, faith was imparted to me, and suddenly I was able to appropriate or see the visible manifestations of that in my life. And it led to a pretty transformative moment for me. So faith is going to be imparted to you that the Holy Spirit can do things you cannot imagine. I mean, can you, Father, in Jesus' name, you know, imagine all the capacities of the Holy Spirit. It's unlocked by your faith. You know how we're waiting for God to do more? God's waiting for us to believe more. If you, listen, it's there for the, for the getting. Can you believe that's why faith pleases God, because it allows us more of his providence to be released into our lives. So, faith. The second thing is going to be impartation. So, <clears throat> that time I was telling you about Rick Joyner back in the day. Um, so, Rick told me I was a terrible writer. And, uh, and I said, yeah, well, you know, help me out here. And he says, he said, Mark, the, the key is edit. Edit, edit, edit. The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. So edit, edit, edit. I says I edit every article of mine at least seven times. I said, I said, I try. You know, I write something, I feel this divine inspiration, and then I go back to it and I try and edit, but I'm reading this the the draft I wrote, and I think this is brilliant. I wouldn't change a word. <laughs> I said, I I, I, I don't know what to change. I can't see anything that I can change. And uh, he didn't have an answer for that. I think, <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. But anyway, I, the next week I go back to writing. And from that day forward, I haven't been able to ever write an article without going back to it and doing significant revisions. Virtually anything I write. I was writing an article today. I'm on my like fifth draft in two days. And it just each time, and it's actual refining. And so, well, how did you get that? You know, there was no list of step one, step two, step three, step four, five steps to editing. It was impartation. I was given eyes to see something that I just could never see before. And what's so powerful about it is I knew I couldn't see it. And this wasn't a trick. This wasn't you know uh, an an editing idea. This was an ability to see that came out of nowhere. There are things that are just imparted by the Holy Spirit. One of the, the ladies that took this, this thing in, a, in, in me before, I mean, one of our earlier classes, she said this to me. She said, I had one of those kinds of impartations. She said, there were things in my life that there were, you know, just moments of dissatisfaction, let's say. Moments when I was feeling like I was in a nasty mood. And I would just chalk it up to some emotional aberration to my life, you know. And I would just try to pull on the reins of any kind of nastiness that would come out of me at that moment. She said, you know, I just try to, you know, be a little more reserved of the stuff. But she said... Right after the course, I suddenly saw that those were the tips of some strongholds in my life that the Holy Spirit for the last three years had been trying to expose. And that they weren't just this aberrant little moody moment, that there was something uh, concrete in them, and that was an impedance to my destiny, my transformation. 
And so that was just one thing, an ability to see. I mean, there are things that God is wanting to do in our lives, but we, we are so dull. I mean, Mike Bickle is a great man. Would you say Mike Bickle is a pretty good man? I mean, he's got some good things going, going for him, right? Do you know when Bob Jones first met Mike Bickle, he started talking about all these prophetic things that were going to happen in his life, and Mike Bickle just look at it. He says, he said, and you're going to do this for Israel, and you're going to, this is China, and, and you're going to do this. And he says, do you pray? Well, do you pray for Israel? <laughs> and he's, all he says, he said, well, the Lord told me you were going to be dull, but I had no idea you'd be this dull. This is going to be a lot of work. <laughs> you know, we, when we're insecure, when we don't really believe that we're fully loved, we, don't, we can't really fully look in the mirror. We can't really, we're not really willing to see the things that the Holy Spirit is actually just trying to free us from. He's not illuminating things to say bad. He's illuminating it to say, let, let, me, let me take that. Let me take that out of there. Let me destroy this. Let me, get, let, me let my laser vision hit this, my x-ray eyes, and I'll consume it. But we're like, no, it's not really there. No, that's, that's just... That's just an ingrown hair. That's not cancer. So, the ability to see. Um, Trevor was saying, we had this moment at the, the Bob's thing, and, uh, and where, where I saw something that was happening in the intercession. And I've had many moments like that. I remember a few years ago, I was, I was uh, speaking in France, and there was a guy, a young guy, leading worship. We were in the, in the center of Paris, and he was leading this worship meeting. And uh, the next day, he wanted me to mentor him a bit. So the next day, we're talking. I said, I said, last night, when we were going into worship, I said, worship is like ascension. We're actually ascending a mountain. But there's literally like turns and twists. And you, songs and different phrases and songs and different songs are parts of deciding which way to turn to navigate up this mountain. And it's never the same. Each, each session, there you go, each time you're leading, it's always a unique path. There might be some similarities, but, but you're not following a song. You're not following a series of songs. You're following, you're trying to find life in the midst of the song, and you're trying to find the, the most life-giving parts of a song. But I said then, after that, you find that 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 life-giving part of a song will take you into another sound. So anyway, I was explaining this to him. And, and, uh, he, and I said, so there was a time when you were in the middle of the song, and all of a sudden in the middle of the song, the saxophone player began to play this melody. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, you should have gone with that. And then I, I said, and then we went into the next song, and right in that there was a little low, and the electric guitar player began to play the same melody in the, in the next song, you know, and I said, you should have gone with that. He says, wait a minute. He says, how did you know? Like, how did you know to go with that? How was the, how did you know that was the directive in that moment? Eyes to see. There are capacities that the Holy Spirit wants to give you to know things neither experience or intellectual capacity could ever give you. It's, it's within him. It's a free gift. And we're going to talk about, well, how do I tap into more of that? It's about the heart. But, but, but just set your heart right now. Oh, God. Like, 
How do you lead with your heart? Desire. Want it. Begin right now to want this. Oh, God, I want this. He talked about favor. I want, I want favor, Lord. What's, what makes the difference between, you know, somebody who's walking in one measure? And I, I, want, I want to know what that difference is. I want to know how to participate in these impartations of the Holy Spirit. Desire. Just want it. So one of the things I feel even the Holy Spirit is doing tonight is cultivating a deeper desire, a want for more of him. There's a lot of things you shouldn't covet, but coveting more of the Holy Spirit is something you can. Did you know that? Desire to prophesy. Okay, now, I kind of touched on the same one. There's impartations with Rick Joyner, but also increased perception. That's That's the third one in which I kind of blended those two things together. The fourth thing, and this we'll see if we can get into it this weekend, depending on the time. But there is a framework to the manifestation of the kingdom. There are people who stumble upon manifestations of the kingdom, and there are people who do the kingdom on purpose. When you begin learning something new, you stumble into things until you learn how to do them on purpose. How many of you ever worked with something like Photoshop on the computer? Right? You know, if you work with complicated... Um, remember the first time you opened Photoshop and you clicked the menu and you opened a, a page and then you did this and you found this filter and you applied that and you took imported that picture and you you tried this and you, you know, you, sub-menus and on top of sub-menus and functions and you made some really cool effect. You thought, oh, that's so cool. Okay, how did I do that? You know, because it's such a labyrinth of things to get there. And the next 80 times you try, you can never get... What did I do to get that? Well, you have to explore so many times all of those avenues to begin to do it on purpose. And the more you're familiar with those paths, the more you can deliberately choose one over another. Let me say this, that the manifestations of the kingdom of God are determined that way. Some people get them by accident, others get them on purpose. And what the Holy Spirit is wanting you to do is is learn how to get them on purpose. Jesus was not taking the shotgun approach to anything he ever did. Okay? I hope this works. You know, we do that, right? When we're starting to press into healing, it's like, okay, we're going to pray the prayer of faith. All right, join in with me, please. I need all the faith I can get. You know, it's like we're, we're hoping this works. Well, what if, what if there's a way to do it and know that it's going to work before you even do the prayer? Like, what if, what if you knew exactly what the triggers were and the impedances were? I remember reading about Smith and Wigglesworth, and this guy came forward for prayer. And, and he came forward and he says, he said, what are you doing here? He starts rebuking him. He said, go back and sit down. You are not ready. The guy's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So he goes back and he comes back night after night. Or I, I can't remember the full te- that testimony. But he did this a number of times. And all of a sudden, one guy, in the meeting, he's praying for somebody else. And he says, where's that guy? Okay. He says, you can come up now. You're ready. He said, don't need to. Already healed. How did he know? You know, there's levels of knowing. What if there were unimaginable levels? What if we could get into them? 
What if they were available? You know that the, the Lord Jesus always says to him who has ears to hear. To him with eyes to see. Ears to hear, let him hear. And so uh, there are frameworks to the kingdom of God that I'm hoping to touch on today. Now, I'm not under any illusions. A lot of things I don't operate in. Um, Healing is one of the things I really want to get better at. I have prophetic words that I'm supposed to. It's just not fully released in my life. I have a few feelings here, healings here and there. We just had a cancer healing at our church here this last week. Uh, I can't take credit for it, but it happened. Hallelujah. You know, I, I don't know how to repeat that. <laughs> we, we hit the right menu button or whatever, but, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of unknowns yet, but I believe that it's not all meant to be a mystery. Once you know something, it's no longer a mystery. And um, it says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Can you take that? That's a promise. To you it has been given to know. Hallelujah. Okay. Fifth one here. And this is really, really going to be probably a significant, probably a significant part of this weekend. There's a principle of access that a part of what you have, and hopefully we'll be able to develop this and define it really explicitly. But a part of learning to to be purposeful about the kingdom of God is understanding the access that you've been given as a child of God, and and that. You know, the Bible says this, you draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Do you know what that suggests to us? That suggests that our proximity to the Father is not determined by him. If he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He's saying, listen, in as much as you draw near to me, then I will. You take one step, I'll take one step. But, it, but you first. Well, why did we say that? Because faith, faith enables you to draw closer. And so often when we don't believe, we sit back and hoping that God will touch us. But how many of those miracles were people? I mean, there were certainly ones that God went and touched. But how many weren't destined for a miracle but got it anyway because they stepped closer? What if you could do that? Well, I don't want to be presumptuous. Okay, then. Don't get it. I want it. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. What time is it? What time should we be done here? I could I could finish any time, or I could open up something else. I don't want to. Uh... Let me let me. We're good. Good to keep going a few minutes. How are you guys doing? All right. Uh, let, let me touch on this, and we'll we'll see where we go with this. But um, so I mentioned the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is one of those books that when I was a young Christian, I read the book of Romans only because I had to. And it was one of those books that occasionally in the book, there would be a singular verse that I would understand. There would be blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like I'm in a Charlie Brown cartoon. <laughs> you know, how the voice, the wah, wah, wah. <laughs> And uh, But recently, the book of Romans has been opening to me. 
and I'm starting to see the continuum that the apostle was writing from. And a significant part of it has to do with the heart of man opening to the grace and abilities of the Spirit that are in you. So I want to read two scriptures, and then I'm going to finish with this this thing. Uh, The first scripture is this. Jesus said to the New Testament, you know, in the New Testament to the Pharisees and everybody at the time, he said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Now, I've been a Christian a long time. And I think I'm starting to understand what this means. But when I was a young Christian, you know what I said all the time? This is hard. This is hard. This Christian life this is hard. People aren't making it. You know, sometimes I feel like quitting. Something. Sometimes I'm just dying. And so Jesus comes and says, listen, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, let me explain it to you. You've heard it once said that if a man murders another, you know, he's guilty of murder. Well, here's an example of an easy yoke and a a light burden. If you say raka to your brother, you're guilty of murder. How is that easier? Furthermore, You've heard it said that if a man commits adultery with a woman, you know, he'll the, suffer the penalty of the law. Well, let me, let me lighten the load for you. If you even look on a woman to lust, you've already committed adultery. Does that seem counterintuitive to you? Yeah, absolutely. It's totally counterintuitive. Because Jesus wasn't saying that I'm making the price here easier. What I'm saying is I'm trying to block off a direction that you normally go. And the direction you normally go is you do whatever's possible to make yourself worthy of what I want to give. And so you used to think, well, as long as I don't commit murder, as long as I don't commit adultery. And those that were really good about not committing adultery and not murdering, they felt like total heroes in that culture. And Jesus says, yeah, actually, this is deeper than that. You also are guilty. And he, he raises the bar. And the reason he raises the bar is because there's two directions you can go. And I don't want you to go this way at all. That way is your own strength. The belief that you can do it. The belief that you can please me. The belief that you can refrain from evil enough to gain my favor on your life. He's saying, listen, it can't be done. There's no way you could ever be good enough to deserve all the things I can give you. So the reason I'm raising the bars to raise the impossibility level to dissuade you from ever trying. Why? Because there's another path. Another path. Listen to what he says in Jeremiah 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that have 
no water. And he said, listen, this here is a broken cistern that has no water. You think, well, yeah, but we got that from you. No, no, no. No, you didn't. And I'll explain that later. This version of this thing, the use of this thing you have, I never told you to drink out of that. I set that up to tell you that that's not the way. And you decided that was a hurdle to jump over. So I raised the bar to say, no, you can't jump over it. Actually, there's a door that will open, the door of grace, the door of favor, the door of faith opens something in it. Father, in the name of Jesus, and I feel right now, I want to really punch this through because there's an opportunity right now. Can you just close your eyes? Father, we just pray right now that the door of grace, Lord, we think we know what grace means. We think we know what this language means. But Father, in Jesus' name, so many of us are still trying to measure up, still trying to be good enough. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Okay, look at me for a second. Let me, let me share this. I'm going to touch on this later in the weekend. But the heart of man is like a modern tap. This is a, a Mark Brisebois parable of the kingdom. And so Jesus spoke in parables. Mark speaks in parables. <laughs> so, the, you know, the modern, modern, you know, regular faucet used to be hot, cold, and now they got one, right? And you lean it one way, and it's hot. You lean it the other way, it's cold. And if you, you know, you can go mix the hot and cold. But if you go all the way over to one side, it's super hot. All the way over to this side, it's super cold. The mechanics of that is that there's there's a place from which you know the water, the hot water, and the cold water is coming. But there's a ball underneath that handle, and that ball has an opening. And that opening, when you when you lean it towards this, the hot water, more of the hot water in, enters that opening. Have you ever seen that when it's deconstructed, when it's broken down? You know what that looks like? That's how your heart is. Your heart leans into God or into you. At any given point during the day, during the year, during a season of your life, you have a default setting which is related to your faith, and it's the way your heart leans. And it either leans into strength, human strength, the, the sense of reward that comes when you think you've performed well, or it leans into faith. This morning, I mean this evening and this weekend, the Lord is going to enable you to lean into him in a whole new way. Because the abilities of the Holy Spirit that we've been exalting are available. But what we don't know we do is we actually lean into human strength all the time. And that's why things are hard. If Jesus, and I I love these absolute statements, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And after a little while, when I was saying, God, this this is not fair. This is, my yoke is not easy and my burden is not light. Like, where's the promise? You know what he said to me? Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Either I'm a liar or you're doing it wrong. You tell me which one of us is fallible. Is this divine error or human error? 
What do you think, Mark? You know, you reluctantly come to the cross again and again and again and again. And I think, Lord, I, but I don't know, evidently, I don't know how to lean into you. We don't know how. It's not a trick. It's the training of the heart through revelation, through learning to hate the reward, the penalty that your strength brings you and lean into him. So, Father, I pray that as we continue this weekend, that, Lord, uh, we'll understand and even have an increased perception of the way our heart leans and to even know what it feels like when our heart is leaning toward you and when our heart is leaning away, that the full, abundant power of the Holy Spirit can be ours. In Jesus' name, amen. So why don't we stop there for tonight? It's going to be a good weekend. Yeah, hallelujah. Wow. Yeah, I I feel a little wrecked, to be honest. (laughs) And that's a good thing. Um, Yeah, wow. There was a lot there, wasn't it, folks? Really, really good. Mark, I honor you. I honor your teaching and the anointing that's upon you uh, as a prophetic apostolic teacher. And and, uh, and I honor all of you for the hunger that's in your heart to learn more about the Spirit. And, and so, Lord, we just seal this in our hearts tonight. Father, we thank you for the teaching that we've absorbed. And uh, I pray that even tonight as we go to bed, Lord, I pray with that faucet, be turned into leading into you. Holy Spirit, even in our dreams tonight, Lord, I pray for a release of dream activity as we sleep. And, um, and Lord, even tomorrow too, Lord, we want to teach us your ways. Father, we don't want to lean into our own understanding, but we want to trust in your ways. And, Lord, we just thank you that you, you are our teacher I just feel like the Lord is just, it's out of his grace that he's given us this, this weekend of teaching, you know, and for us to grow deeper into him and his ways. And so um, I'm just really excited to see you guys tomorrow morning as we connect at 10 a.m. And, uh, and let's be expectant and ready for the Lord to do great things within our midst. So.